So Michael and I took this trip, and I'll share a few slides. Uh, feel free to interrupt and ask questions. Um, we'll just kind of, and Michael will share where he finds that something he wants to mention. But um, So we left here on a Saturday morning, went down to Chicago. Uh, that's because we needed to get a COVID test within 24 hours of flying, and it had to be a specific one. The one they shove it further up your nose, I guess. So we did the swishy swishy, and uh, everything worked out good. And then flew out. Let's see, that was Sunday morning we got the test. Uh, went to church with my son down there, which was kind of fun. And then Monday morning we flew out. And uh, that, um, I, I, I can't tell you how exactly how long the trip is. I'm, I'm guessing 20 hours, I, I, 24. I, it's 10,000 miles. Uh, you just get on a plane and you sit still for a very long time. And uh, they, uh, the, the flight went amazingly well. Uh, I guess flights going and landing right is good. But no, for us going through like security and things like that was just a breeze. Um, Michael has his cane. <laughs> We're both gray-haired. I don't know. But it gets you through line quick, put it that way. And uh, we're not complaining. So um, that went extremely well. We had heard the day before we left that we were supposed to have a uh, COVID vaccine to get into the country. And I, you know, I, I, I don't have a moral argument against it as much. I just am not happy with what I've seen the processes. And so I kind of just... I hadn't done it, but, I, you know, we sat down and talked and said, well, if this is what it takes to do what we feel like we're supposed to do, then we're going to do it. So uh, got, to the, got to the airport in Malawi, and we were put in a tent, you know, and, and they were checking everything, and, and uh, you were supposed to have your vaccine card if you were good to go. And so I, um, I said, I don't have one, and the and, uh, lady says, well, you can go next door and get the shot. And I said, I'd rather not. And she says, well, what? I said, yeah, I'd rather not have the shot. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, okay, hands me my papers. And so we go. I, I, I don't know. It was, that's just the process we walked through. So uh, getting out was just as crazy because one of our friends calls a doctor and and says, okay, we have to get this. And going to get it in the city is like two and a half hours away from the center, or more. I, it's hours away. So we set up this thing. We meet the doctor in the parking lot. He literally takes us in a side door to a storeroom. You know, cardboard boxes piled everywhere. He's got a technician in there. They shove it in again and, and uh, guarantee the results by three. So... We hand them a, a chunk of cash in their currency, and we're good to go. So I, I tested well. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you beyond that. So that's, that's the process we walked through. Um, it's, it's sorrowful to see how much the COVID thing, though, has damaged the economies worldwide. 
And so we walked into a country that was already impoverished, but was even worse than it had been when we'd last been there. And so you have, um, you have little children with the distended bellies. The casket industry is flourishing again. You see you know, stuff along the side of the roads. Um, and it's obvious that people have not done well during that season. Uh, but that's, uh, there's more. So we, we land, we stay at a motel uh, in La Longway. Uh, I should hit that next slide, maybe that. Um, there's four sites. That, Malawi is right there in the southern portion of Africa. It's not too far from the equator. Um, the first spot we stop is La Longway. That's like the capital city, but that's where the airport is. The second spot we stop is a place called Dedza that has a kind of a world-famous pottery shop, but also a restaurant with food that is very palatable for us. So we stop and eat there. And then uh, we head on to Cheu, which is uh, number three. And then at, at about the middle of the trip, we take a safari over at number four, and by that time, there's been enough cultural variations that it, it's probably really good to get a day of ordinary. So you're going in at noon. You have um, about like a yurt to sleep in uh, with a very good bed and good meals. And uh, cost is like 275 So it's, it's, it's pricey for there, but, you know, it's still... It helps settle our systems again, get ready for the next round. And then uh, Lake Malawi, um, Michael's taken kids there several times. It's like a once in a lifetime outing for them. So the kids from the program uh, will go there. Uh, Malawi is mostly surrounded by Mozambique. And in fact, Cheo, where we are, there's a border road. So on one side is Malawi, on the other side is Mozambique. And we, uh, that road has been greatly improved since we started going there. In fact, what they paved uh, probably saved us a half hour this last time in, in travel time. Um, but it's, it's the kind of thing that lots of business, it's about like our Highway 41 uh, equivalent, uh, although there's much more traffic in and assorted traffic types on there. Um, so uh, let's go on. Let's see. Um, the sights, sounds, and smells of the place just are completely different. Like this is harvest time, so they were gathering the maize or corn and then burning all the shocks. So you have this, this burnt smell everywhere you go. And um, you're aware of dirt a lot more than you would be here, just because um, nothing is quite done at the standard of what we're used to. And uh, you can see, like, this village is literally two blocks away from our center. Um, that cooking kitchen is part of the center, Hope Village. So. Uh, again, this is what uh, the gals cook on to feed the 45 to 60 kids, however many there are at that moment. Um, 
every day, so they're fixing those meals over charcoal grills. Um, then, uh, if we go on, uh, this is Hope Village. Um, there's just a number of buildings that have been put up, um, a dorm, a main hall. Uh, there's a couple, uh, like, dormitories now, extras. Every night, uh, we would come back and then do a devotional with the kids. And uh, the singing everywhere you go is awesome. There's not many instruments. In fact, very rare to see an instrument. But the rhythms and harmonies are uh, incredible. Uh, I, was, I get a little nervous. Uh, most of you know that I can't keep a beat worth anything. And, and Char hits me if I start clapping here. <laughs> so what happens is, is regularly we get set up on a platform <laughs> so they can see how badly I do everything. <laughs> but that's, uh, got to live with it. Uh, but the whole village is the, the center of what has been going on. And Michael went there roughly 17 years ago. And uh, he felt compassion for the AIDS victims because that was the, the hub of where AIDS started. And so you have all these people dying and you have these orphans that uh, have AIDS. They're, they're only going to live a short time, but they, you know who's going to care for them? And so in some ways, the, the orphanage, uh, these, the longest they've had a child last is to be 17 years old. So it gives you an idea of how often death is a part of this. But they at least have a, a life with dignity while they're here. And they're given the hope of eternity and the opportunity to know Christ's love here and then the, the hope of the future. So that's, uh, that's what it's been a part of for all these years. And uh, it uh, continues to, to serve the community and, and things like that. So going on, when you're traveling, um, you can run into virtually anything. Um, it's kind of amazing. Um, you just, it's, there's, it's a very mountainous region, so you're doing hills and valleys all the time. And if you're on an asphalt road, it's pedal to the metal. And that means... If you're loaded heavy, it barely gets over the top of the hill, but then you just let it fly going downhill. And so it makes for an interesting um, season, so to speak. Um, next, we went, and I've pulled some pictures from before for different things, but um, it, it's typical of what we do. Our goal has been to go into areas that don't get much help. And so we're going, it's, I could, I could go for names, but there's no markers anywhere. So you're just, you're driving these trails, and the guys know where they're going, and, and you get to this outpost, and there's a little church, and they'll have gathered anywhere from 40 to 100 different people, and uh, you spend a day just uh, um, Worshiping the Lord, speaking, um, fellowship, we, we help provide a meal. Otherwise, they would be going without that day. Um, and so uh, it's just a pleasant time together. We're usually 
probably teaching from what, 10 to, to 3, uh, with a meal in between. So uh, the, <laughs> the challenge for me, and, and I, I didn't do well the first day this time again, uh, was that like when you're working with an interpreter, um, it's possible to go too fast and use too much language that they don't know. And I was doing it, I thought I was doing well. And uh, I get done and they're just kind of, now the first time I'd burned a guy out in a half hour, he just sat down. And uh, so uh, the, this time, uh, it, you're, you're also having to concentrate enough that you don't listen to the guy that's talking, but you're planning your own thoughts. And it, it just is a different challenge. So um, I, had, I had gotten done the, the second session in the afternoon, and I, I felt pretty good about the second time that, that day. And uh, I told the guys, I think I did better this afternoon. And the interpreter tells me, I'm glad you feel that you did better this afternoon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, as far as what we were bringing, I had kind of reworked something that I did on Good Friday, and it was that idea that the God of creation that does things on such magnificence, both in the macro and the micro, is, is a pretty amazing being, right? That to create the, world's as, the world as big as it is, and to do the detail of what's there we get a glimpse into who we're dealing with, and it's amazing. And the fact that um, he didn't feel obligated to even have us know or understand a major portion of it, but he did it for his own joy and his own ability. You know, it's pretty amazing. But that same God that did that in creation is the God that has overseen history and so he can move nations like Egypt to keep a people for 400 years and let them go exactly when he said it would happen or like a Babylon to, and Persia to keep Israel for 70 years and let them go exactly when he said it would happen or Caesar Augustus to issue a decree to get Mary and Joseph into Bethlehem so the babe would be born where he's supposed to be born you know, none of those world leaders knew what they were a part of, but it was still in God's hands. And the fact that he knows the hairs on our head in detail, you know, again, it speaks to the magnificence of his intelligence. And then to know that when the resurrection was just the beginning of what the final picture is, and our hope is place in something of his return and restoration of all things, to say that that same intelligence is guiding the ages now. It, it's a magnificent thing. And so that's, that is what I had shared early on. Michael took the, um, he was working with the, um, the functions and work of the Holy Spirit through John 14 through 16 and how he, he works inside of each of us and brings truth to us and such. And then 
Then in the afternoon, Michael was teaching on family primarily, uh, family relationships out of Ephesians. And then uh, I guess later in the morning, I had done a, uh, a thing on the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 through 134. Um, it's a, they're Psalms of degree, so that uh, it may have been as they were journeying to their festivals, they would be singing these songs but they were all meant to be done together. And so it starts out, you know, that I live among liars and cheats. Uh, I, I, I'm temporarily in these tents. And I, I, I crave peace, but everybody wants to start fights. And, you know, that's, that's the setting for the beginning. And, and yet there's this longing for peace. And then in these Psalms, Jerusalem is seen as the place of peace and the city of peace. And so it says, pray for Jerusalem. And, the, and, and in some ways, then the other Psalms are, they're either an expression of the person saying, I humble myself before you. I'm, I'm just waiting for your hand to do what you will. And then there's declarations about the Lord. And so, He's our protector. He's our deliverer. You know, so it's a very beautiful progression if you walk through that. And uh, so I was bringing that, and in my heart there had been this hope of, I want, I want us to enter into worship as well. Not, I'm not just trying to bring intellectual information. You know, that would be such a loss if that was the only thing that got across. You know, that if, if there isn't a connection in the spirit and there isn't a, a changing of heart, so to speak, what's, what's been accomplished? And, and so that was the desire. And, and there were some, you know, that psalm ends, you know, with worshiping. It's like they've gotten to town and it says, the, the Psalm 133 goes, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. You know, so you've gone from being with liars and chiefs to suddenly with people of like mind. That's our eternal hope, right? That's the new Jerusalem that we're looking for as well. So in some ways, it, not only does that psalm speak to that day, but it speaks to our own hopes. And then the 134 is, you know, standing by night, worshiping the Lord. You know, it's like we're in one place, we've gathered together, let's worship. Let's have people of like mind embrace what this privilege is. And, and so um, those, we had some cool worship times, didn't we? I mean, it just, that, I felt like God was gracious to us and gave us that. Um, and it just, yeah, that's basic. Um, the meal time, uh, kind of amazing, wonderful. Uh, you know, it, it's when people of like mind get to sit down together and share life and stories. And so I think it was a very important portion of what, what we've been doing. Um, one of the blessings this time around is that uh, Matt and Laura Songer had provided uh, Bible on microchip that could be inserted into phones and it's got a lot of commentaries and the rest and so 
um, we were able to give out 500 of them. And uh, the, this lady um, in the picture, she, she had already plugged it in and was listening to it on uh, the Bible on, on audio. So it was really cool. And uh, when we go into these places, a number of people don't have Bibles, even of the pastors, uh, even the ones that do, that are not always familiar with, they don't always read well. And so even finding passages is difficult. So uh, we have intentionally gone to places that don't get much help. That's uh, been our goal. And so uh, we've had access to this fraternity of pastors. And uh, we're traveling probably two, two hours each morning. Or I just get in a car or a truck and ride. You know, it... it yeah, and when we get there, we're there, you know, it's, it, and, and so, um, but we've, you go in, you're, you're going through woods, basically, or, or fields, or brush, I, and then suddenly you pop into this little village, and there's a church, and that's what we do, so. Um, oh, I, at Hope Village, there's a preschool that they've started now. Uh, it has 50 little children, two and three years old. Um, <laughs> it's astounding to see how, how they sit. I mean, it's, it's, it's not our place, right? I mean, they just, can you put 50 kids in a room and just have them sit? And I, I've, I've looked at that before and go, what? One yeah, one teacher who has control of the room. They, they generally tap. I have not seen. But I, I think there's more to it. I, one of the things that I've observed is that, like, when a child is born, it's, you don't see bottles. They're nursing, right? And that child is either wrapped on someone's back or in their arms probably till they're two years old. And so I'm guessing that that has an effect on how the kids react as well. I, I don't know. I, I just, I look at it and go, and this is very different. But what, how it got there, I don't, I, or how it stayed there, I, I just don't know. Um, but it's intriguing. And, and uh, so um, this was a kids club that we went to. Uh, again, our hope maybe is to take some kids along with us next time and do kids' clubs. Um, so, yeah. Again, we, the picture up on the upper left doesn't show it well, but it was kind of astounding to, we're driving down this path barely wide enough for a vehicle, and suddenly you get bombed by a couple hundred kids on the edge singing songs and happy and shouting. They're welcoming us. Uh, they knew we were coming, and so they, they were welcoming us to the village. And uh, so we get there, and, and there's the little grass shelter that, that we paid for. Uh, you know, um, it helps with the rain some. Um, and then they put on a program of what they do, and and it was it was incredible, you know. They 
they're singing, they're quoting scripture, they're, they're listening to stories, and the workers were amazing. Uh, and what's that run, about 50 a month to, to cover uh, a kids club, and there's 16 of them uh, that, that Hope is supporting. Um, you see, um, this is the place I got my chicken, by the way. Um, that <laughs> at the end of the ceremony, or at the thing, and the village chief has been there, the village elders are there, there's, there's adults sitting on the outside, so it's not just the kids that are participating in this. At the end, uh, they want to honor us, and so they bring me this rooster. Well, Michael, being the man of God that he is, says, John, you take it. Uh, <laughs> that was, you know, humble as he is. Why don't you stand up? And so I got the rooster, and I'm going, what on earth am I going to do with a rooster? You know, it's just going to ride in my lap all the way home. And, uh, so <laughs> it rode under the, the wheel, the spare tire, <laughs> on the way home. And then it gave itself to the ministry. <laughs> But uh, this, this might have been the most fun event of the whole time for me, just to see this. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Um, look at the, uh, the name of that church. <laughs> Remember who had bought some land and then uh, several families gave to help put up a building. And uh, it was, that was kind of a, an amazing moment. I remember kind of on a, as an aside comment saying that we could put up a building and two families came and gave it the exact amount we needed. And uh, so we put up two buildings. But uh, one of them, it's an honoring culture. And so, they, oh, these people helped us. Uh, we'll call it Waters of Edge. <laughs> so it didn't quite get the translation that we anticipated, but We'll, we'll appreciate that, you know. And so uh, they had four choirs, uh, amazing harmonies um, and such uh, rhythm. Uh, the children's choir was the most impressive to me. Uh, they, they were, uh, they, it was just amazing all the way through. And, you know, they're, they're each each kid is quoting scripture verses. You know, they, they call them out, and the kid quotes a verse, and then it's obvious they do this on a regular basis, and the next kid quotes a verse, and they sing a little more, and, and then the, the adults get up and sing. And, and uh, again, I, I found out during the service that I was speaking that morning, uh, and that was interesting as well. But at the end, um, I had... I had shared um, that some of them, I, I believed, were already beginning to feel that God was calling them to ministry purposes. And I asked for a raising of hands, and about two-thirds of the group raised their hands, and I'm going, I don't think you understood me. And I, I rephrased it and tried again, and they had the same response. And then I was talking to the pastor later, and he says, that's who this group is. This is what God is doing. And so that was incredible. We prayed with them, and 
and just enjoyed the day and went on. Um, let's see. Um, these are just a few photos of the safari. That uh, The fuzzy one is the black rhino. And you've been trying to see it all these years, and this was the first. And it was probably 125 yards off. It wasn't like it was right there on our like the elephants, but uh, anyway, uh, that that middle picture is the uh, the the lodge building that I was on. That that was my view. So, pretty amazing. The uh, croc was the croc that was just across the pond <laughs> in that same setting. But uh, we we go there. We get there about noon, and then. Uh, basically just have kind of an ordinary, we have a couple meals, we go out on a ride, we come back, boat ride, come back, um, next morning do kind of a similar thing. Uh, that morning we took a, a Jeep out and looked at different things. I, <laughs> I did leave my cabin before I was asked to. Uh, I thought that maybe I was late, and so I, I walked up to the where the truck is, and then I realized there's something close to me, and I see this major warthog about 20 feet away. <laughs> and so I start backing up, and he kind of wanders off, and we were good. <laughs> Different stuff. Um, yeah, there's just, I mean, I, I, I looked at these as faces just because Everybody has their own story, right? And, and you meet many, many new people. And everyone, everyone has their own story to tell. You don't just always get to hear it. Um, took some pictures of kids. Uh, I don't know what those boys are doing. Uh, oh, we need to go one more, please. Yeah. Uh, but they, as a whole, they get up about 5 in the morning. Uh, they have chores immediately. Uh, it might be water carrying. It might be sweeping the yard. Um, but kids play normal stuff. Uh, if there's anything that vaguely resembles a, a soccer ball, they're kicking it. Uh, it may be a roll of tape. It might be just whatever they can find. Um, uh, girls generally are carrying water. Five-gallon bucket, it's... That's heavy, right? And initially, they'll have their friends help them lift it up and get it on their head. But once it's on their head, they're off to town. And it, it can go a long, you know, several hundred yards or more that they're carrying this. Um, yeah, just different people we saw and met along the way. Um, I, if you think to pray individually for people. I just brought these faces up. Uh, next slide, please. The one on the left was the village chief of the uh, kids club that we went to visit, relatively young man. They, the village chiefs are, are like a mayor except with much more power. So they basically call the shots for the whole town. And, like this town we went into was relatively clean. Uh, he was doing a good job that way. But when you look, there's just that weight on him. And I wish that I'd have gone back and just prayed specifically with him. I talked to him a 
bit through an interpreter, but it just was one of those moments where you, you're looking, this man is burdened and he needs release that can be found in Christ. Um, the young gal up above is named Vin. Um, she's about 26. She's Matthew's sister whom he's raised. And uh, she's, a, she's a good woman. She's and she's doing a lot along with them inside ministry, but she longs to be married. And so, well, I'll pray for you, and I'll have others pray for you. Matthews is the man below. Uh, how he got a Packers jersey? Um, only Denise knows. No. <laughs> but uh, he, he carries incredible responsibilities. He oversees Hope Village. He oversees the kids' clubs. He oversees the training ministry, when we're traveling with him, he's driving, he's interpreting. I mean, uh, his, his job is significant. And so if you'd keep him in prayer, that'd be good. Um, Biswick was the, uh, the man on the lower right. He, uh, he's the accountant and bookkeeper. He works for the government, and then on the side he does this for Hope Endeavors. And he's a He's an amazing man, very noble, and, and he's the one that called the doctor so that we could get in and expedite it quickly. The young man above is Patsa, and he's Matthew's uh, younger son. He's roughly 20 years old. He looked to us to be dying. Um, he's got something wrong. They haven't been able to figure it out. His heart's giving him trouble. He, he would climb in the van and be winded getting into the van. And uh, this morning where I clicked the picture, uh, he's playing the older song that we know, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because He Lives, All Fear Is Gone. And then the, the last verse, has some, and when we cross by his final river, you know, I... <laughs> I was crying, you know, I'm just going, this guy, he's exhibiting faith, but unless God intervenes, he will die. And uh, they, they deal with death regularly as a people. You know, there was a little girl who got sick while we were there. It was touch and go. She actually got better, but it is one of those moments you're going, well, we may experience death while we're here. We didn't, but, you know, it's just, it's crazy how, you know, it's just different, right? And, and you begin to say, oh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, this is just one of the final pictures I took of one of the groups we were with. Uh, there's my rooster, by the way. So, <laughs> pretty. Yeah, uh, that was that was all new. <laughs> um The thought that I shared in the church that we spoke in was the thought that I, I just want to spend a couple minutes on this morning. When, when Jesus uh, looked at around him and he saw that the, the crowds, and he's, he says they're, they're lost. They're, they're, they're helpless. They're, you know, there's a bewilderment on them. And he, he just said, Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest field. 
It's one of the few prayers that Jesus actually calls us to pray. You know, he just says, if you want to know what to pray at any time, that might be one of those prayers you would pray, right? That's, that's what Jesus has asked us to pray. And then at the same time, or in, in John's gospel, that was in, in Matthew, but in John's gospel, he says, look, the fields are white unto harvest now. And he's saying there is always harvest available around us if, if we'll look and participate. And that, that's something that I thought, you know, sometimes we, we say, well, this is more just a planting season. But often that becomes an excuse to not say, where's harvest now as well? What, when would God have me speak life in a way that brings a person to a decision point? And I, I just came away you know, looking at that and thinking, yeah, now's the day. Um, I did have two really beautiful experiences here, back here in the States. Um, one was a friend that I had known in Illinois. He and I used to hunt together. Um, he's a, a businessman. I remember the first time he took out a loan for his business. It was $7 million. So, I mean, he, he ran a, a significant company. And uh, he, he had, his wife and kids had come to the church um, and come to the Lord, and eventually he came along. And the first time he showed up, he had his briefcase right there so he could hide if he needed to. Because churches are scary, you know. And uh, this, this guy is very brash in the way he does business. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a hunting story. It, it has purpose. Uh, he and I were going into the land one day. He had a 50-acre parcel that he'd been allowed to hunt on because he had driven out some people who were mistreating the owner. And uh, he, he sees a man on the land, so he stomps on the gas, roars up to the, slams on the brakes. What are you doing? Well, I wounded a deer. I, I need to follow it. Oh, okay. And the guy goes, Howard, you've, you've always been so abrasive. What, Howard jumps out of the truck, slams the door, charges the man, says, you want to finish this right now? It's in his face. This is his, his MO for dealing with things. And uh, the guy goes, no, I, I, that's not at all what I'm, you know, why can't we just be friends, you know? And uh, so they talk nice, nice, and, and uh, get it evened out. Howard climbs back in the truck. He says, oh, by the way, here's my pastor. I go, yeah, probably not going to see this man in church. Uh, but that, and then we're driving away. He goes, well, I think I handled that really well, don't you? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know? But he, he was moving in the Lord, and then at a point he made a decision and walked away. And, and I think I know what it was, but it just, something happened, and, and I've grieved that for years. Well, I saw him this last time. He's back serving the Lord. His first wife died, our friend Wendy, and uh, he's 
He's with another gal now, and together they're pursuing God. I mean, he's just as brash as he was before in the sense of it's this way. This other stuff, it doesn't matter. It's this, you know. (laughs) It's, It's wonderful, you know. It's just wonderful. But I thought the investment of prayers and the witness of faith has a fact, sometimes it takes years and years and years. And we've had a similar experience with Char's sister. She's close to death right now, but she's lived a hard life. At least four husbands uh, and others, you know. But she is serving the Lord now. And she's at peace, and she's ready to die in peace. You know, and you're going, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't really matter what's going on. It's that turning point, right? And so I, I look at that, and I'm going, there is harvest around us. There are people ready to listen. We need to keep our ears open. Anyway, God bless. Anything that you'd like to ask or questions? Oh, we ate it. <laughs> we took it home. Gals plucked that thing, and yeah. Oh, no, from, uh, excuse me, from 10 to 12, we would do teaching. And Michael and I would tag team. One day he would lead out, one day I would. And then from roughly 1 to 3 or 3.30, uh, we'd go back and teach some more. I, one of the things that I ran into is that I've been rather spoiled in that I prepare something. When I'm done, I sit down. I, don't, I, I never look at the time, as you know. <laughs> but um, there, that was, you know, I needed hour, hour and a half, depending on what was, you know, and I'm, so sometimes I preach two sermons in a row. <laughs> so I just, I, it, it was what needed to happen to get done. But, uh, yeah, the, the whole getting to and from, I, on the way home, we didn't have a direct flight, so we went Malawi, Congo, Ethiopia, Ireland, home uh, and and all of those uh, the changeovers we we really didn't sit very long in airports that's a different story <laughs> Michael does well the first few days and then strength starts to wane oh this this basically was for hours yeah it, now they they have them stand up and sing songs and sit down oh we walked into the room, there was no adult in there, and they're sitting in their chairs. It, yeah, it's, it's a different, completely different thing. It, that is definitely one of the cultural differences that you look at and go, well, even like the kids' clubs. You know, you have anywhere from two to 500 kids, and sometimes just two workers. There'll be one sharing the story, and the other just kind of walking around with a Cornstalk or something tapping kids that are starting to get squirmy. And, and it isn't frequent. It, it, it Maybe once or twice during a meeting. It, it, yeah, it's not the same as what we're used to, for sure. And they're, in the preschool, they're learning their ABCs in both languages. Um, because English, 
still is a trade language used around the world, and so it, it helps them get a leg up. And so they're learning the ABCs, their colors, their shapes, you know, kind of the same things that would be taught here. I did pray blessing on people, like I've done here as part of the dream that I'd had in regard to myself, which was kind of satisfying, I'll say that. We both want to say thank you, too. The church is very generous with us in, in helping us get this done. That was a true blessing. Just want to pray for God's blessing upon you. Say thank you again for sending us out. Um, the last session, I remember that um, both Michael and I were, we had basically reached our limits mentally and physically. And it was kind of a good feeling to know you'd done your best. And uh, it's what you set out to do, you know. And, uh, and thankfully, we did see God's hand uh, do things that we couldn't. So that was a blessing. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to share your gospel and see people come to know you. I ask as each one goes into the community that this will take place. I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We do love you this day.